Welcome to Above Avalon. This is episode 89, the iPad asterisk. Hi, I'm Neil. This was a busy week for Apple. The company released first quarter 2017 results. Whenever Apple releases earnings, there's always so much we can focus on. Each line item, each product category has positives and negatives. What I want to do this week is focus on one of the major themes to come out from Apple's earnings. I published my full earnings review, all of the major themes and details to members. I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the episode. But I really want to focus on one specific topic from earnings in this episode. I don't want to get too bogged down in all of the details because I think we will lose our focus. And this particular topic may be important as we go forward. It has to do with the iPad. It ended up being that the iPad sales number was controversial. It was not great. But with that said, there's a reason or two to take a closer look at that number. And I think there's much more going on behind the scenes. Now, it's been a few months since we talked about the iPad. We last mentioned the product category in episode 72 when we talked about how I looked at the iPad's dark days as being over. I looked at the iPad as turning a corner. So what we're going to do in this episode is sort of revisit that narrative. Do we need to adjust the story? Do we need to dial back the optimism a little bit, given a changing environment? Are people turning away from the iPad in greater numbers, or is there something going on? In some ways, it's fitting to talk about the iPad in this episode, because last week, it was only a couple days ago, actually, Apple celebrated the seventh anniversary of announcing the iPad. Now, seven isn't exactly a big milestone, so you didn't see too much press, unlike the iPhone's 10-year anniversary. I took the opportunity to go back and re-watch that first iPad keynote. I always think it's great to go back and look at older Apple keynotes because it provides a look and what the environment was like. There's so much that's changed. And if you don't have time to watch the entire keynote, you can watch the condensed version. There was a promo video that Apple came out with. I think it was a couple minutes long. And it included comments from Johnny I, Phil Schiller. It even included Scott Forstall, Bob Mansfield. I'll include both of those videos. I'll include links in the show notes. So if you don't have time for the keynote, you can watch that condensed version. And it was remarkable to hear Apple's motivation behind the iPad. You tend to forget about it seven years later. The narrative that has surrounded the iPad has just taken over. Now, from that keynote in 2010, there's one slide that really stood out to me. And this slide, I would say, was one of the top slides in any Apple keynote in recent memory. It was from Steve Jobs. It had a picture of two products. You had the iPhone on one end, and you had a Mac on the other end. And there was a space in the middle with a question mark. And what Apple was doing was asking the world, is there something that should be in the middle of that? Should there be a product that sits between an iPhone and a Mac? Seven years later, 
I think a lot of what we've seen will cloud our judgment of how much unknown existed back in 2010. A lot of people thought the answer was netbooks. So you had these cheap, low-priced, so cheap as in materials, low-priced as in not expensive, laptops. So people thought that was the answer. That's what's going to sit between a smartphone and a more powerful, more expensive laptop. Well, Apple had something else in mind. What Apple was really trying to do was tell the world they think they have a product that will sit between a smartphone and a laptop. And it was the iPad. That was what that question mark was. The interesting thing about that slide is seven years later, I still think that slide is relevant. There is still a debate over that one slide from the 2010 keynote. We are wondering, is there still room for something between a smartphone and a laptop? Now, what's changed? Well, it's pretty obvious. The smartphone has gone much bigger, bigger screen. Back in 2010, had really little screens for iPhones. Macs, well, the MacBook has gotten lighter. That's also helped to close the gap. So if you're looking at that same chart, the iPhone has moved over to the right. The Mac has moved over to the left. And what's happened is that space in the middle, it's gotten smaller. And I think it's okay to say that. You see some people, they're almost afraid to admit that the environment has changed for the iPad. The final sales trajectory for this product may be actually lower than once thought. That's okay to admit. That does not mean the product category is doomed. It just means that Apple will need to rethink some of its strategy. Now, some of this played a role in how I've been thinking about the iPad. When you take a look at previous sales numbers, they haven't been pretty. So if you take a look at annual sales numbers, I have my earnings model in front of me. In fiscal year 2013, iPad sales peaked at 71 million devices. Now, the interesting thing about that number was the iPhone, it only outsold it by two times in 2013. The iPhone was 150 million units. The iPad was 71 million units. Let's go ahead to 2016. Apple reported iPad unit sales of 46 million units. So that's a decline by 35%. That's pretty significant. Meanwhile, look at the iPhone, 212 million units. That's an increase of 40%. Now with the iPhone, keep in mind, a lot of that increase was due to Apple bringing the iPhone to new carriers around the world. So for example, you had China Mobile. That's really what drove all of that growth. Whereas with the iPad, think back to the launch. Yes, it was limited, but Apple eventually let the iPad be available across the world in relatively short order compared to something like the iPhone. So that does impact how adoption trends played out. But you're looking at a sales gap in 2016 of almost five times between iPhone and iPad. So what does that tell us? Well, a lot of people are buying iPhones. We have iPhone sales the last quarter, 78 million. Compare that to iPad sales, 13.1 million units. 
So that means the iPhone outsold the iPad by six times during the holiday quarter. That's a significant number. And that, you notice how that number's increasing. Now, whenever Apple reports earnings, what I usually do is quickly go down. I think it's usually at the bottom of the press release. I go down to when they talk about unit sales. Because in my model, the one line item that takes up the most time and resources is iPhone. There's so much that's going on, so many moving parts. So I always look at the iPhone number first. And for the first quarter, it was actually really good compared to my estimate. I was only off by 300,000 units, which I will take that any day. That means that my model was correct, and it means that the narrative that I have concerning the iPhone is right on track. I think that what we've been talking about with the iPhone in terms of these podcast episodes, in terms of the daily updates, we're, we're good. We're good to go. There's some adjustments here and there, but I think the overall picture is good to go. But the iPad number was really bad, 13.1 million units. So when I saw that, my first impression was, wow, what happened there? Because my estimate was for 15.5 million units. That's a big difference. I usually don't want to have that big of a delta. You're talking 15% lower than my estimate. So I think what happened when people looked at that earnings release and they saw that number, they were taken aback. They were just shocked. And I saw on Twitter pretty quickly people were passing around charts saying, wow, the iPad is in trouble here. Look at this, look at this line. It's going off a cliff. And yeah, in my earnings model, a 19% drop year over year in unit sales that would be pretty bad. I didn't think that those days were coming back. However, there's more to the story. There are quite a few moving pieces behind the scenes. And as a general rule, whenever something like this happens, where Apple reports a pretty bad number, but then has all of these exclusions, you hear this sometimes on the call, where Tim Cook or Luca, they will say, well, this was our reported number. However, if you exclude this, exclude that, keep in mind that, and also adjust this, it's a good number. I'm always hesitant to do that because I think it's somewhat misleading where a number is bad and you're trying to twist the narrative to make it look good. I think some people may say this is like spinning the story. With that said, if our purpose is to analyze what's going on. If our purpose is to analyze the business, analyze the fundamentals, try to understand what is going on in terms of customer demand, you can't ignore those one-time items. You can't ignore all of these exclusions. So what I like doing is recognizing the sales number, 13.1 million iPads. Recognize that that was a bad number. Let's not ignore that. However, we need to adjust that number if we're focused on modeling iPad sales going forward. It's just too critical. We can't ignore it. Taking a listen to Apple's earnings call, fortunately, Apple gave a pretty clear story as to what's going on here. I don't think it's too confusing. So we're going to go through some of the numbers and see what this all ends up leading to. 
What Apple talked about was there were two things impacting iPad sales during the holiday quarter. The first item related to inventory changes. The second item was a surprising supply shortage. In both cases, there are surprises here. I was not expecting this. We'll go over it in greater detail as to exactly what I think may be going on here. So according to Apple, the iPad experienced a 1.6 million unit channel inventory swing. That's from first quarter 2016 to first quarter 2017. What does that even mean? Channel inventory swings tends to be a little bit of a confusing term. Well, what happened is in first quarter 2016, Apple shipped 16.1 million iPads. It was a pretty bad number. That was 25% lower than the previous year. It sounds good from an absolute basis, but it was a pretty weak quarter. But what Apple ended up doing was increasing iPad channel inventory by 900,000 units in the first quarter of 2016. So what that means is the space between the factory and the store where you go out and buy your iPad, that inventory channel, Apple pushed an additional 900,000 units into that channel. Now, the reason they did that was they had a new iPad Pro that they were selling. It was a 12.9-inch iPad Pro. So they wanted to put more of those units into the channel. That way you can go to Best Buy. You could go to Target and be able to buy a 12.9-inch iPad Pro. So what that ended up doing was boosting the unit sales number when Apple reported results in the first quarter of 2016. Keep that in mind. But what happened this past quarter, first quarter 2017, was they decreased inventory by 700,000 units. Why? There weren't any new iPad models. So what Apple did was they said, well, let's let that iPad channel inventory decline. I also suspect that this could maybe hint new iPads are closer then they may appear. Keep that in mind. What happens is when you adjust for those two items, the channel inventory increase in first quarter 2016 and a channel inventory decrease in the first quarter 2017, it changes the story around iPad. Because that means if Apple did the same channel inventory adjustment, that 13.1 million unit sales number that they reported this week, it would have been a lot higher. And if you do the math, iPad unit sales would have been down more like 9% year over year and not the 19% year over year. It may not seem like a difference, but it actually is. Because for iPad sell-through demand to be down 9%, that's pretty much in line with what the iPad was doing in the third quarter. And it was not too much worse than the fourth quarter. So that does change things. There was another item that Apple talked about, and this one was really surprising. Tim Cook mentioned how Apple underestimated iPad demand during the quarter. When I heard that, I sort of scratched my head and I said, that doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense because Apple wasn't selling new iPads. You would have assumed that they had a pretty good grasp on how people were going to treat this current iPad line. But then they gave something that was a little bit more telling. They said they experienced a shortage 
issue at one of their suppliers. And so now we're saying there was an iPad supply shortage on top of Apple underestimating iPad demand. That seemed a little bit unusual. I turned to Twitter and I started to see more and more evidence that there was truth to this. There were instances of people saying that they could not get their hands on iPad Air 2s and certain iPad mini models. And a lot of these people, I suppose, were working for school districts or universities, and they were saying they were having some trouble getting those particular models. I never heard of this during the quarter, and I don't recall any other analyst, any other observer making note of this, that there was some sort of iPad supply issue. I just actually looked at iPad availability on Apple's website, and there actually is a delay. There's a three-week delay for the iPad Air 2 and actually for one of the iPad Pro models. So something is going on here. It seems like what maybe happened was that Apple was thinking more people would buy the iPad Pro, and that was both the 12.9-inch model and the 9.7-inch model. But what could have happened was education users, they wanted lower-priced iPads. They wanted the iPad Air, the iPad Mini. That's why Apple's still selling those. It's to reach a lower price. And there could have been some issues with estimating that demand. You then have maybe a supplier issue, which Apple mentioned. That could contribute to what's happening here. We have to keep that in mind. We have to back out that impact from the sales number because we're trying to estimate what is iPad demand going forward. I ran those calculations, and I have iPad demand down more like 4 5 6% year over year. Again, that's very different than the reported number of unit sales being down 19%. With all of that said, it is still important to recognize that iPad unit sales would have still been down. We're not talking about excluding all these items and then the iPad would have returned to growth. However, exclude the inventory adjustments, exclude whatever issues impacted supply, and exclude Apple miscalculating demand. And I think iPad sales, they probably would have been pretty close to my 15.5 million unit sales number. So where does all of this leave us? Is this ultimately a good thing or a bad thing? I think it does paint a very different picture of the iPad business. I don't think we should look at first quarter 2017 results as some type of development where the iPad imploded. I think when we look at what was going on in 2016, heading into the holiday season, I think for the most part, that trend continued during the holiday season. After taking all of these items into consideration, I think it's prudent for me to dial back my iPad optimism a little bit. I still think the iPad has turned the corner. I think the iPad's dark days are over, where this product seemed to be in freefall. There's no evidence when you look at sell-through demand to suggest that the iPad has returned to that era. Instead, in my model, I still have unit sales declines going forward. And the only adjustment I made following earnings is I dialed back my growth estimates a little bit. So I don't have the iPad 
returning to growth in the near term. With that said, it's very close to stabilization. That is still what I'm projecting. I think it's important whenever we start talking about forward iPad estimates heading into fiscal year 2018 to look at the big picture, to go back to that initial slide from 2010 where you had the iPhone, the Mac, and the big question mark in the middle. What exactly is the iPad's target market? What should Apple be doing with the iPad? I see some people going around saying that the iPhone probably will kill the iPad. The iPhone is just simply too popular. The larger screens reduce the need for iPad, and whoever needs an iPad, they could just either go for an iPhone or a Mac. I disagree with that notion. I don't think that's the right way of thinking about this. And I'm seeing a lot of people, they look at the iPhone, the iPad, and the Mac, and they assume there's all these intense battles going on. It's the iPhone versus the iPad. It's the iPad versus the Mac. I think that misses the point of what's happening. If you're looking at all three of those devices, iPhone, iPad, Mac, it's clear people are choosing iPhone. Just look at unit sales. This is not that much of a mystery. The iPhone is outselling the iPad and Mac by multiple times. That doesn't mean the iPad's future is doomed. It doesn't mean that the Mac's future is doomed. Instead, what it means is that at this point, the iPhone has a much better sales trajectory going forward. It has a larger addressable market. The iPad, the addressable market is much smaller versus what I think people were thinking in 2010, 2011. The question is, how big is this addressable market? In trying to answer that question, I'm going to rely on a safe answer. <laughs> I think the iPad's ultimate sales trajectory will be somewhere between that of iPhone and Mac. If you're putting this on a chart, it probably will be closer to a Mac than that of iPhone. The reason why I'm still confident in that is I look at the devices. The iPhone, it's designed to be mobile. It's a product that you use in your hand as you're walking around the world. The Mac, let's just say MacBook, it's not designed to be mobile in that same sense. It's designed to be mobile in terms of moving from room to room. Maybe for some time you could use it on your lap. The iPad is a little bit different. The iPad I don't think should be designed, I don't think it is a product that you're holding it in your hand, walking around all the time. It's more likely to be used more personally than a laptop. You can use it in bed, you can use it in a different angle on the couch, you can hold it up, or you could just kind of leave it positioned on a table or a desk. I think each one of these product categories, it serves a different function. And I think what Apple will do going forward is they're going to respect that difference in form factor, that difference in functionality. They're going to respect the laptop form factor. What does that even mean? Take a look at the MacBook Pro with Touch Bar. That is giving respect to the laptop form factor, where you're not lifting your hand up and touching the screen. You're keeping your hands on that horizontal plane. 
We call it the keyboard now. I'm sure in the future we may have a different name for it, given where Apple wants to take Touch Bar. With iPhone, I think it's all about mobility. And so in the future, you may have an iPhone with a larger screen, but I'm doubtful you're going to see iPhones get significantly larger in terms of form factor than the current iPhone Plus. That's going to get a little dicey. This just barely fits into my pocket as it is now. I don't think it's going to get that much larger. Instead, you're going to work on increasing the screen size. That's possible. I think that leaves a space in the middle for something like an iPad, where you have larger displays. And that larger display, I'm probably not going to be carrying it around. I'm not going to treat it like an iPhone. It's something different. I take a look at how I'm using the 12.9-inch iPad Pro. I'm using it every day. This is a new thing for iPad. I never have used an iPad every day. And the reason why I'm using it so often is it's replaced paper and pen. I now use Apple Pencil to write notes. I take a lot of notes in terms of above Avalon. I'm always writing different things down, trying to write down different viewpoints and everything like that. So I take a lot of notes throughout the week. It's all on iPad Pro. In the past, I had a huge notebook and I was just going through page, page, page. So I'm saving a lot of paper. The point is, that's a very unique use case that I can't do on my MacBook. And I don't want to do on my iPhone. I think that's where the future of iPad is found. So that there is a space still between the iPhone and the Mac. Yes, it's smaller, but it's still there. And I think going forward, what Apple will do is they'll treat that as having three separate categories. They're not going to try to combine things in one. You see a lot of people say, well, I wish the iPad had different software. Ultimately, what a lot of these people want is the iPad to have Mac OS. They want that complexity. I call it complexity. But I don't think that's the answer. Because in many cases, the only reason people are buying iPads is because of iOS. Now, I do agree, there could be opportunities at changing some of that in terms of iOS for iPad only. And maybe we will see that in the future. But keep in mind, a lot of the changes that we're going to see with iPhone, they're probably going to come to the iPad as well. The home button, if it's removed from the iPhone, I think it's going to be removed from the iPad as well. And I think that's going to also impact how we use the device, how we interact with the device. There's also plenty that Apple can do in terms of improving the screen in which the way we use this device changes. I think we only have really touched the surface in that regard. When it comes to thinking about future sales, and we talked a little bit about this in episode 72, the way I'm looking at this is dividing iPad sales into two buckets, sales to upgraders, sales to new users. My estimate is that there's about 230 million iPad users out there. Could be a little bit higher with the first quarter 2017 results. 230 million, that's a lot. So if we start thinking, well, how many of those people are going to be upgrading their iPad every year? We know it's not a significant number, and that's because people buy iPads and they keep them, and they keep them for a very long time. This has been one of Apple management's weaknesses regarding the iPad. They really don't have a lot of credibility 
and projecting iPad sales because they haven't been able to get their hands around the iPad upgrade cycle. You have Tim Cook kind of giving hints over the years. We're only a few quarters away from a major upgrade cycle. Just wait for the new iPads. It never materializes. And I think this is where the element of the iPhone peeling off some of those iPad users. Again, notice what we said. The addressable market for iPad, it's going to be smaller than people think. So what's going to happen is iPad users who've been maybe relying on an iPad 2, they may just turn to iPhone. They may not buy another iPad. That doesn't mean the iPad is doomed. It just means that we need to keep that in mind. And so we shouldn't look at the user base out there, 230 million iPad users, and assume every one of them will eventually upgrade their iPads. I don't think that is realistic. And so there's going to be a fraction of those people. Take that number and then think, how can Apple continue to grow the iPad in terms of new users? If you take a conservative number, like 10% of the user base will upgrade every year, that's pretty low. That implies that the iPad upgrade cycle is pretty long. It implies that people are going to be using their iPads for a long time. But if you use just 10%, and then if you assume that Apple can keep new user growth kind of steady where it is, you still are getting near that 40, 45 million iPad unit sales per year. In 2016, Apple sold 46 million iPads. So there could still be a little bit more room for those sales to decline, but I don't think it's another 50% drop. I don't think it's another 30% drop. Now, there is a risk to all of this, and that is I think Apple needs to do a better job or needs to improve the marketing around the iPad because we go back, and we've talked about this before, some of the previous iPad marketing campaigns, they've been lackluster, and the reason being is they haven't really explained how the iPad is different than an iPhone and a Mac. You see people going around in these ads using an iPad just like you would with an iPhone. Why would I do that with an iPad when I already have that iPhone in my pocket? And so what I think Apple should do is focus on the things that make the iPad special, that make the iPad different than the iPhone. I think the marketing campaign around the iPhone where you have a focus on the camera, that's great. It's pushing the idea that you can just simply take the iPhone out at any time, take a picture, take a short video. We know pictures aren't just for memory capture now. Now they are for a form of communication as well. With the iPad, what is that piece? Is it something to do with Apple Pencil? Is it watching video? I think that's where Apple needs to put more attention. I do think it's a good thing that we see Apple going a little bit higher end with iPads putting in those additional components, putting in that additional capability, it may mean that the average selling price increases as a result. I think that's a good thing. It's moving the iPad a little bit further away from the iPhone. You just need a little bit stronger story to really nail home what the iPad means, why the iPad should exist in an iPhone world. That will conclude our discussion regarding the iPad following Apple's first quarter 2017 earnings. You can see how there's quite a bit going on behind the scenes. I think the same type of discussion could probably be had for every single product category. There's always a lot of moving pieces. There's positives and there's negatives. 
The iPad asterisk was one of five major themes that I got from Apple's earnings. If you want to read all of the other major themes, I published that to above Avalon members. We talked about the iPhone, Apple Watch, Apple Services, and Apple's capital management program, especially the share buyback. So I sent all of my thoughts and observations on the major themes and one update. And then the following update, I talked about all of the details from Apple's conference call from what I'm seeing in my earnings model. Altogether, we covered 26 different topics. So I think when you combine that email with the email from the major themes, that gives a very good overview of Apple's earnings. So if you want access to those daily updates, you can become a member. It's $10 per month, $100 per year. There is an archive, so you could go back and take a look at all of my commentary on Apple's earnings. To become a member, head on over to AboveAvalon.com. Go to the membership page. You can do this on your iPhone as well. Just go to a little menu button in the upper right corner. Go to membership, and it's very easy and simple to become a member. And then you could get these daily updates throughout the week. One other thing that I did want to point out is a few days ago, I did send out my thoughts and observations about the Apple versus Qualcomm battle. I think that's the right way of describing it. This is going to be very interesting. There's a lot that's going on. I read through the U.S. government's lawsuit against Qualcomm. I also read through Apple's lawsuit against Qualcomm. And I went through all the details you need to know why I think Apple is doing this, what I think the ultimate trajectory is in terms of product regarding this lawsuit, because I do think there's a connection. I sent that out a couple days ago to Above Avalon members, so I did want to point that out. And also, if you're interested in Fitbit, it, their quarter was a disaster, their holiday quarter. I think maybe we'll talk about that in another episode, but I did share some thoughts about Fitbit's disaster holiday season. With that, I will conclude today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode about the iPad, if you can leave a rating or review for it in iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it. If you are an Overcast listener, if you could recommend this episode in Overcast, I would greatly appreciate it. Within this episode, just click the I button for more information, and then hit recommend. That definitely helps get the word of mouth out there. I will talk to you all next week. Bye.